All right, you're back. This is going to be our third episode of the Two Five Physios podcast. But before we hit that intro music, we'll get the quick update. Jay, how your week went? What broke on your car? What's new? Dude, man. So I was driving down to Irvine, and um, before and all right, what happened was, you know, when a story starts that way. Yeah, <laughs> what happened was. <laughs> i i felt something right under my foot like hit like hit smack right on under my foot but underneath the truck and um and i knew exactly what it was because earlier that week i heard some heard some squeaking some like bolts moving a little bit more than they should and if any of you know like anything about suspension you have your sway bar um that that prevents your car from swaying left and right and at the end of those there's these thing called end links that like stick into the control arms and whatever mm-hmm. um I, I checked that out like the day before and i was like yeah that's definitely loose i should probably should probably tighten that up didn't get around to it definitely fell off um 100 <laughs> off the car so i'm definitely riding around with just like one uh one uh one end link on there and i'm like every time if i take my hands off the wheel it like slowly veers to the left you oh know God, dude. Uh, but it's all good fixed it fixed it up everything's good now the fact that you're alive this long with that truck is just a miracle. I know. <laughs> I know, man. There was there was actually one time I I almost got in a crazy accident in the Bay Area with this truck. And and like I don't know what happened, but I caught air in, in the like I caught air because I braked and I turned to the left Holy and I started I, I started skipping along the highway where I literally crossed all four or five lanes. And I was facing traffic. Like I did like this 180. Oh, was uh, it raining or you just no? No, it wasn't raining. I started skipping. I don't know. I honestly don't know how it happened. I had a guardian angel at that time. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't flip or anything. And um, and like, and everyone's looking at me. I just put it in reverse, slowly reel it back and head straight forward again. And uh <laughs> Oh my gosh, nothing happened, just moving on. Yep. I like barely tapped the median, so there's still a little scratch on my bumper from it. But oh my gosh, that's it. Wow, Jordan's out here surviving. That's crazy. Yeah, what are you doing, man? You still working at Blake PT? No, man, I quit. I put my two weeks in. Yeah, I'm done at that place. Um, doing PRN for a couple weeks, and I was like, I could have signed on to full time, but I was like, I kind of want to do full time podcasting, so I think I'm out of this joint. No, but um, <laughs> it was nice to have. I guess the exposure to what it would be like, but yeah, I didn't think 14 patients a day. I'm, I'm too extroverted for outpatient orthopedics, I think. So yeah. Um, just thinking back, like how Drano is at the end of every day, it's mm-hmm. maybe that's just my personality or what, but I think I'll jump into more of like a home health type of thing. It's kind of funny how it worked out. Cause I was an aide in outpatient actually four years ago, three years ago before a uh, PT school started. And one of the PTs left to go start his own company. And then about a month ago, I had applied for this company called Pete Health. It's basically home health. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, that'd be good. Didn't pull the trigger on it because I was still looking around. So I was like, maybe I can get a full-time job. I can get a letter of rec and obviously mentorship directly. Um, so I didn't do it at the time. And then I messaged my friend, um, Alejandra, who had been an aide when I was at Orthosport three years ago. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, Ted started his own company. And then she pulled up his profile. And it was Pete Health, the same same exact company that I had almost yeah, went through with. Yeah. Um, and so then she gave me his number. I called Ted. And he's like, yeah, like we don't normally hire new grads, but he's like, I, I know you. So 
I'd be willing to give you a job. So that kind of all fell into my lap there. So that's going to be more part-time. And then I guess the benefit of that is that home health, but they work with essentially an orthopedic population. So the people that would go to outpatient orthopedics, but don't choose to. So a little bit more stable, uh, medically stable, that is. And they have to at least be able to walk with an assistive device. So that's kind of the biggest knock on home health as a new grad is like, if someone's having, you know, a code, you're <laughs> the only person there, you know, so you got to refer. Out, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't refer out at that point. You got to, you got to call someone, you got to know something. So <laughs> I was always worried about that, but he's like, yeah, we, we generally see more of an athletic population. It's just, they choose to stay home and, or you can go visit them at their work or whatever. So yeah, some, some final onboarding, I guess, Wednesday for that, but that should be a little bit more of my speed, a little flexible you know, work my schedule out however I want and then still have time for the podcast and other random stuff that I'm doing, publishing that paper. I'm still going through that process. So Oh yeah. 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 Well, you know, three years of grad school makes you a good full time yeah. podcaster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being just doing this. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the update and uh looking forward to it. So I'll let you know, give you the skinny on how that's going starting next week. I guess maybe a week after that, but yeah, speaking uh, speaking about podcasts, we got a big one for you to do. Oh, yeah. So three student loans. Let's hit it. Welcome to Two Five Physios, the podcast where Tyler Smith and Jordan Spradlin, two doctors of physical therapy, discuss their journey towards financial independence, self-development, PT research articles, and host in-depth interviews with physios in the field. And we're back. So you're listening to episode three of the Two Five Physios podcast, where me and Jordan Spradlin break down topics related to finances, student loans, all that good stuff. Um, in this one, we're going to specifically talk about loan repayment options. Going to mm-hmm. kind of let Jordan take the lead on this one. It's a lot to go through, a lot of caveats, I guess we should say at the beginning. Yeah. Definitely public service announcement. Be like, this, you need to check everything when you look into it. We're going right. to get a brief sort of overview of loans, repayment plans, what they mean, mm-hmm. um, what you can expect when, um, when, when you sign up for them. Uh, we, might, we might touch on some consolidation and refinancing, but that might be for another podcast itself. So, right, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ty, I think I think I'd like to start off with just kind of telling where I'm at as far mm-hmm. as my because I know we're all coming from different places. Like I talked to a student the other day who is coming out of USC with like two hundred thousand dollars of debt mm-hmm. where, you know, in PT median income is probably like high 60s, low 70s mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, so that's someone for me. I'm coming out with about ninety five thousand dollars in debt. Ninety thousand of that is federal student loans, 5,000 mm-hmm. of that is private student loan, um, which I did refinance, talk, talk a little bit about that. And then I know Ty, I don't know if you want to talk about yours. Yeah, no, I had a yeah, huge, huge fortune going into grad school, some inheritance from selling a grandparent's house. And so I had about 60, 70 going into PT school, but I didn't budget so well. So I probably didn't hold on to as much money as I wanted to. Should have listened. But if you listened to the, yeah our last episode, if I had done YNAB like going into PT school, I would have been set. Um, so I like I said, when I got really into budgeting, it was 2019. That's when I first took out loans. So 
um i had to max out the last semester or two whatever so um looking at a little bit over 20,000 in all federal student loans so super fortunate for that situation again being able to live at home i'm um, starting to be more frugal with all that kind of stuff so definitely less of a, a hole to dig out of here um definitely fortunate for that but we still have a little bit to pay off here so my my approach and my strategy may be different than jordan's um or for people that got through pt school without loans you know at all so it's all coming from different places and it should be and it should be like it's gonna be personal and i like at least what your what your goals are and how you kind of view it if you're the type of person who wants who just doesn't like owing money to anyone and wants mm-hmm. it gone as soon as possible then your best option is just going to be aggressive and just every extra dollar is going towards those loans but if you're the other type of person who's like not too worried about it you know you'll pay it off eventually um it's kind of good to know what options you have that will help either decrease your total amount mm-hmm. of payments that you pay over time um as far as like interest interest builds so there's plenty of options there, at least for, yeah, at least for right now, let's talk about kind of what, what's your plan so far, Ty? What are you thinking you're going to do? Yeah. So obviously with all federal loans right now, uh, during COVID, um, they're all basically deferred in a sense, like that grace period that you normally get the six months has been extended out by um, president. So all the federal loans are at 0% interest accruing and no necessary payments. I could make payments towards the principal at this time, but I think it's just kind of benefiting me to have a little bit of more cash in the bank at the time. So I'm saving up for an RV, hopefully in March. So I'm trying to make a big purchase come next four months. So I want to save a little bit of money for that. Keep keep building towards that. But um, yeah, I haven't put any more money towards um, student loans. As of right now, there's no real penalty or real reason I should necessarily. The zero percent kind of a grace period is going to end scheduled to end january 1st 2021 who knows if that's going to be extended by the Biden administration or what the deal with that is but in i guess in may 2019 I actually did win a scholarship um for about five thousand and so i put maybe 800 or so of that towards the loans that i took out at the time mm-hmm. so i decreased it a little bit when i was in school but kind of since then i've just been holding on to it and then Definitely right now I'm holding on to it because there's no real penalty to having having those loans. So Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good plan. I know and I know this like podcast episode itself, it's not for like options of how to pay for school. It's kind of mm-hmm. maybe more geared towards, all right, you're you're kind of getting out. You've already you already bit the bullet. You have some loans to pay back. Um, mm-hmm. we'll see what our options are from there. Cause that could be a whole other episode. There's so much information out there. For me, uh my plan I was before getting out of school, my plan was like, all right, I'm just going to I'm going to pay down my debt as aggressively as possible. Everything's mm-hmm. going towards it. Um, and and I was thinking if I could live off of half of my income or less, then I could be debt free in like three, three years mm-hmm. paying off ninety five thousand. So that was that was my plan. But then I started to consider other options, started to educate myself a little bit more is what what type of options would help me kind of achieve my goals? Cause uh, I really don't like that hanging over my head, the debt. And, right. and, um, and for a lot of people, it's like, ah, eh, it's whatever. It's just another thing. Like my brother, he's still paying off his student loans. He's like 45 and he's still mm. paying off his student loans. And he went to like DeVry University or something, yeah. you know? ITT Tech. 
Yeah, yeah, like one of those. Like, but now he's working for Visa and he's like a manager of 25 people, multi-billion dollar company. Wow. He's crushing it, but he's like, oh, it's whatever. It's just, you know, another payment. And that's wow. his yeah. mind. And I think we have different mindsets for that. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's kind of have to think about what your goal is. So like if your goal is you want to pay it off as fast as you can, or do you want the lowest monthly payment possible? And then you're going to have trade-offs with that. Because if you pay it off as fast as you can, um, then then you kind of be just like head in the ground. You're just, you're digging in hard and you're not living much of a life, but you're working towards your goal of having, having being debt-free. Mm -hmm. If you go towards your lowest monthly payment, then you're probably going to pay more in the long term um, if you're just focused on those low payments because then interest is still going to build on your principal balance. And if you look 20, 25 years down the road, you'll pay more over the long run. And then you can also look at like the lowest total paid just completely over time, which um, which is another option. Or if you want the flexibility, you can you can choose like your type of monthly payment. Like if you just feel like you can only afford this certain amount, then you can go with that. Or if you just say like you choose a certain date in the future, you're like, all right, I think like seven years from now, I want to be completely debt free. Mm. And then then your payment options will change based on that. So you just kind of want to consider your goals and what's important to you. And, um, and for me, like, I'm already at the point where I'm like, I want to get back to San Diego and, and I want to buy a house there within five years. Mm. Like that's, I think a goal, um, on top of all of our military goals yeah. as well. So, um, with that being said, like if I completely put everything towards my student loan debt, I don't think I could come up with a down payment for a house right. within that time. So I'm considering other options because um, I know for me, like plenty of books that I've read is um, if you want to build wealth, you need to buy some property. Like mm -hmm. it's the landlords who are getting wealthy while the renters continue to stay poor. Right. And, and so that's something I want to go into. Um, and, and for me, I'm considering, we talked about in our intro episode, uh, how we both want to go into the military and there are options for loan forgiveness that we will talk about as well. There's a few caveats with that that's just good to know um, if you do want to go that route. But I guess moving forward, we'll kind of just talk about kind of some general themes that you can have. So mm -hmm. if, say, you have, you're someone like me who has about $100,000 in debt, and if you're making half of what you owe, so right now I'm yearly annual in the residency it's definitely a pay cut as a resident pt um, i'm making like fifty-four thousand annual gross income and so that's about half of my total debt and and with that being said it's probably a good option to look at some forgiveness options there um, and and that's under the assumption that i'm only going to be making fifty-five thousand for like the next 10 years and i never get an increase in a raise which is not true for your case gonna happen i'm gonna 200 grand next year four <laughs> <laughs> x my output that's right guaranteed side hustles that's right <laughs> all the income streams um so that's one way to look at it um also if if uh if you owe like less than 100 grand then it might be good just to refinance your loans um and then get a really low interest rate and then try to pay that off as aggressively as you can so that you pay off so you that you pay less um, over time interest is a big one for you um and and yeah for ty like what 
What are your interest rates looking like on your loans right now? I think the federal was locked in at 6.3%. So that's surprisingly higher than I would have wanted. Obviously, I think think it's kind of ridiculous that that is the way it is. But last I checked, it was a six point something, 6.3 or 6.7% fixed. So it's not going to change, not going to fluctuate um, throughout the loan. It's just going to be stuck at six. Uh, Okay, that's good. As of right now, it's 0%. So that's nice. Yes. Uh, for me, I have like I have like nine different federal loans mm-hmm. and they all vary. When I was an undergrad, it was like a 3%. Uh, when I was in grad school, um, it went up to like six. You know, I think one might be seven mm-hmm. uh, around there, but I don't think it goes above seven okay. for federal loans. Uh, when I first took out my private loan, um, it was 10%, which is insane. Yeah. But what I did as soon as I graduated and had the option is I refinanced it, especially for you, for you PTs out there, mm-hmm. um, the APTA. If you're an APTA member specifically, you can refinance your loan through Laurel Road and you get an additional discount, like uh, another 0.5% or 0.25% on interest rate with that, as well as if you enroll in auto payment, you get another quarter percent off of your interest rate. So right now I'm at like a 3.35%. Okay. for that private loan yeah. because I refinanced, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to save me a ton of money in the long run Yeah, um, on interest. And, and just to go over those federal loans, um, a lot of you probably heard of subsidized, unsubsidized, you have your direct plus loans. And then um, there's also the federal family education loan program, which I honestly, when I was researching this, didn't hear of because it kind of went out of Vogue in 2010, they stopped that. So it's primarily for old borrowers. And um, you're not really going to encounter that if you're currently in school. Or um, this is more more for new borrowers, which is after 2014, um, in July 1st of 2014. The direct plus loans are federal loans for specifically for graduate school or professional students. Or if you're in undergraduate, and your parents take on a loan for you, that would be a direct plus loan as well uh, to help you. The unsubsidized loans is essentially when you take out that loan for school, your interest starts occurring on the principal balance um, from that date moving forward. And so you're responsible for all the interest that happens. And that's pretty much my experience. I've always been given unsubsidized. Have you ever had a subsidized loan? No, because I guess that would be that would be more an undergrad, I think, is the only okay. time you'd have that. I'm surprised an undergrad you didn't have a subsidized loan. But uh, no. everything in I thought everything in undergrad was subsidized and everything in grad school is unsubsidized. So mine are unsubsidized, but um and I think to qualify for any federal loan you have to fill out the FAFSA. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. The, um the FAFSA is a yearly document you have to fill out regarding your income i believe your social security all those kind of things it doesn't take too long um but you do have to fill that out each year to get access to the loans the federal loans at least yes and if you're born after i think 93 or something you have to sign up for the draft uh i believe that's regardless if you're male or female now but not not too sure on that one Mm -hmm. um but yeah definitely got to fill that fast out every year and and like going back to subsidize if you're lucky enough to get that, the um, education department, federal government will pay your interest on that as long as you're enrolled at least half time, which is 12 units. So those are kind of like the gist of the basic fundamental loans that you'll get. 
-hmm. And then once you get them, you go through school, you're getting to the point where you want to consider paying it off. Then two kind of routes you can go to is just pay them down as aggressively as possible. And if that's the case, if that's your goal is just to pay it off as fast as you can, then all the payment plans don't really apply to you, I would Mm -hmm. say, because it doesn't matter. Like your goal is to lock it down. So um, as long as you're contributing as much as you can to it, uh, the payment plans aren't really going to matter because the standard payment plans are designed for you to pay off your loans in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be as aggressive as possible, I would hope you do that before 10 years, like within five years, if you can, depending on how much you owe, how much money you're making, um, your your location, if it's a high cost of living area, low cost of living area, all of that. So that's one option. The second option would be uh, the type of repayment plan. So you want to pay the minimum and maximize how much money will be forgiven by the federal government. And so there's a couple caveats there that that um, we will go over at some point. And so at least going into the type of payment plans, if that was your goal, um, the first one is the standard repayment plan. That's just 10 years. The government's like, all right, you have $50,000 and you're going to pay that off in 10 years. We're going to have a fixed amount per month for you to be done with that at exactly 10 years. And all, all of the loans... Um, pretty much apply for that. So direct, subsidized, unsubsidized, um, you will, you'll be able to apply for that. And usually they'll assign you to that. If you don't sign up for a particular payment plan, this is probably going to be yours. So you're paying the same amount every month um, for 10 years so that it's paid off at 10 years. And then for that one, you usually pay less over time since you're paying um, in 10 years. So there won't be nearly as much interest if you did go a different route to extend your payments to 20 or 25 years. Um, but it's not a great option for the public service loan forgiveness, which um, Ty, kind of what's your understanding of that, the public service loan forgiveness? Yeah, as far as I know, you have to work for like a 501c3 company, I guess, and a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So I guess that could be a government kind of job, or I feel like a lot of like uh, universities, something like that have um, that option as well. So if you work for them for 10 years, apparently like the the percent that actually qualify is extremely low for for whatever reason. Like you have to make 120 qualifying payments mm-hmm. um, on time every month, or every year rather. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but uh, yeah, I've heard like for whatever reason, like 90 some percent of people don't end up qualifying for the 10 year. I don't know it's, if that's because they didn't work for the right place or I don't know if you have any light on why that necessarily is the case. Yeah, um, but I saw like the yeah the actual ability to get it is very difficult for some reason. Absolutely, I I think with that, um, so the public service loan forgiveness plan is essentially you can't use that if you are using any of the standard payment plans. So the mm-hmm. standard repayment plan, the graduated repayment plan, and the extended repayment plan. I'll go over graduated and extended in just a second, mm-hmm. but you can only be eligible to be included in the public service loan forgiveness plan if you are on one of the income driven repayment plans, which we'll talk about in a second. And like Ty mentioned, um, there was a paper that came out that talked about like 99% of people didn't actually uh, receive the public service loan forgiveness. But there, yeah, there's a lot of eligibility requirements like 
you have to work for the proper type of establishment, whether that be federal government, state government, 5013 BC, whichever type of that is. Yeah, 501c3. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, of, it's a lot of letters and numbers. Um, even if you're working at like a I work for the number people. Yeah. Or like uh, like a Native American um, conservation area. Like if you're if you're working on one of those, something or like even potentially like currently USC uh, Marengo Clinic, where I'm working mm-hmm. for the residency, they are considered um, an eligible establishment oh, really? for the public service loan forgiveness, I believe, because it's in like a high density, low income mm-hmm. area. And we get a lot of individuals with with just, like, just the other day, um, one, of, one of my patients, he he needed a cane and there was no way he can afford it. Spanish speaking, um, he's currently workers comp and not able to afford that. And like, he wasn't going to get better if he didn't get a cane. So mm-hmm. like, um, so just like, just like teachers have to buy their own um, mm. materials. Like yeah. I get this guy a cane because I wanted him to get better. And I knew there was yeah. no other way that that was going to happen. If that right. was, so like, there's a lot of like patient population that's coming in like that. So back to that, to be eligible, you have to make 120 payments, eligible payments um towards that public service loan forgiveness plan um it needs to be at an establishment that is qualified to do that and you just have to look it up at federal student aid or studentaid.gov to confirm with you and then you have to recertify every year that's the key thing is you need to recertify every year and i think with a lot of those people who didn't qualify they they didn't either make eligible payments they weren't Mm. working at a proper institution and and they probably didn't recertify i think that's probably it mm-hmm. like especially like thinking about having to keep that for 10 years yeah since it just came into like they just started looking at that right we're all online right now i think it's gonna be much easier for us true forward. and also i think moving forward they're gonna make it a little bit more streamlined i know that's something that mm-hmm. the new administration wants to get into yeah, i feel like they make it complicated so people don't qualify you know conspiracy yeah. theorists to me and it's absolutely as complicated as you can. Oh, you missed one payment out of the, you missed your 118th payment. <laughs> You're done. You're done, dude. <laughs> You're done. And it doesn't have to be consecutive. That's like the coolest part. That's what I was going to ask. So does it have to be 10 years in a row? No, it doesn't. So like you can be working at, you can be working for the federal government for a year. Um, and then, you know, maybe take private, in, private industry and make like a ton of money and then go back to that if you wanted to. Um, so it doesn't have to be consecutive. So I can work five years and then quit, work at a grocery store for two years and then go work. Oh, nice. Okay. Maybe, maybe podcast full time. Yeah. Know? Podcast full time. Yeah. Work in and out, <laughs> do some midlife crisis, quarter life crisis. Yeah. So that's, that's just like a quick rundown on that. Um, I don't want you to think like it's a scam or anything. People say like there's people out there, a bunch of YouTube videos like, oh, it's a scam because mm. then then you have to do this. And then like the money itself isn't forgiven, which we'll talk about, too. Mm. Um, but it's not a scam. It's just you need to actually do the research and know what you're doing. And you can't just like you can't just go out there and say it's a scam just because you didn't know that that was right. a thing. You know, like you need to do the research and know what you're doing and sign up for it. So getting back to the standard repayment plans, we went over the standard one, fixed 10 year payment. Mm-hmm. graduated repayment plan is essentially where your payments are lower at first and then they increase every two years until you completely pay off your loan within 10 years um so because you're paying because your payments are lower in the beginning 
and they increase over time, you're probably going to pay more interest um, by the end of the 10 years. So you'll, you'll probably pay more money overall than you would the standard repayment plan. And that's the graduated. The extended repayment plan is, I, I wouldn't recommend it at all because it's, mm. it's basically, there's, um, there's extended repayment plan where you have to have at least $30,000 of direct federal loans to be eligible for it. Mm. And, and it just extends that 10 year mark to 25 years. Wow. Or, or 20, depending. Um, so you don't necessarily have to pay it off 10 years. Your, lower, your monthly payment will be lower compared to both the standard and graduated. So that's but like for your brother. My brother. He just doesn't want to think about it. No, exactly. He's, he's going five years. <laughs> Give me 50 years. I'm, ne- I'm never going to pay this back. <laughs> like ever. It doesn't matter, dude. It's just money. <laughs> 25 years. That's how old we are, basically. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's wild thinking about this. Like, damn, I'm gonna be. So that's that's another draw to people who are like, no, I'm paying this off in four years, three years. Right. If you don't want to, you want to think about this stuff for that long. Like, totally understandable. But yeah, so that's the extended plan, and um, and you'll have everything paid off in 25 years, ideally. And now with that, if you don't pay off your loans in 25 years or 20 years with um with that plan, then um, it will be forgiven. However, the caveat, big caveat with that one is um, it's considered income. It's considered income, so it will be taxed on top of whatever your income was that year. So just like a quick lowdown, say you owe $20,000 left, and that's that's what you still have after 25 years. Mm -hmm. Say you're making $50,000 that year, then they're going to add that $20,000 onto your adjusted gross income. So it would look like you made $70,000 that year. Okay. And, and so with that being said, then you would be taxed um, based on 70000 instead okay. of your 50000 So that's, we can go over the numbers mm-hmm. um, if we want to, but... I think a broad overview might be fine, I guess. We, yeah, we definitely could. It's kind of hard to do numbers in a just strictly audio format sometimes, but... I know. I don't, I'm not a big number guy as it is. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think I told you... I'd, is ca- that and that tax is due? Is it due that year? Like, what if you don't have the money for that in that tax year? Is there? So, if you don't have the money to pay it off, then you can talk to the IRS and set up a, a payment plan. Okay. If you can't do that, um, but that would be that's something to consider. Like, definitely want to save up for that. Right. Um. So, those are the regular standard payment plans. The income-driven repayment plans. That's kind of the umbrella term. And then under that umbrella of income driven, you have the revised pay as you earn plan, you have the pay as you earn, you have the income based repayment, and then you have this like really confusing income contingent repayment plan. Um, so you have those four under the income driven repayment plan. And so if you're, if you're one of those people like me, and um, a lot of us out there, you're struggling to af- afford these payments, then you can sign up for one of these. And your new monthly payment will be capped at like 10%, 15 or 20% of your discretionary income, depending on which plan you choose. And so I was like, I was like, all right, what's this discretionary income? What the, what the hell, what's that all about? And um, essentially, it's all the money you have after paying all of your taxes and necessary expenses like food, water, shelter, gas, um, transportation. 
anything like that, but it doesn't include like, you know, shopping, um, entertainment, um, anything about else. about fixing your truck? Does that count? I don't know. <laughs> this boy needs to fix his truck every week. I think that's part of his budget for sure. That's all the discretionary money he has. I need to start a business and just make it like business costs, you know, and write it. Yes, up. exactly. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be two five physios. I'm gonna have that on the truck, and they're like, <laughs> I had to buy a truck for the podcast. You don't understand. It's uh, advertising. It's advertising. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's what discretionary income is. And that's important because that's how the federal government calculates what your payment will be based off of your discretionary income. And um, and so like how do how do they calculate that? I was I was trying to figure it out for myself. And essentially what the government does or the education department is they take a look at the federal poverty guideline for your area and your family size. So particularly for like a single person, we'll keep it there. Single person federal poverty line in California, Los Angeles is $12,060. So that's, that's the poverty guideline. They multiply that number by 1.5 or 150% of your, um, of the annual year. And they take that, then that is subtracted from your annual gross income. So for instance, right now I'm making rounded up to 55,000 a year. When I looked, when I took my federal poverty guideline, multiplied it by 1.5, subtracted it from my adjusted gross income, my personal discretionary income is $36,910. So that's the number that the federal government's going to use for me if I do decide to sign up for one of these income driven repayment plans. And then, depending on which plan you get, if it's like 10% or 15 or 20% of your discretionary income, then um, let's, say, let's say it's 10%. Multiply that by 36,910. That gives you 3,691. I know it's a lot of numbers. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it too much. Um, and then you divide that by 12 months. That gives my monthly payment probably around $307. If I'm on right. one of those income-driven repayment plans at that's 10%. Chill. That's chill. So like that's, that's doable, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the big thing is, is then with these income driven repayment plans, they're not 10 years, they're pushed in out to 20 to mm. 25 years. So you're probably going to pay, you're probably going to pay more in that sense. If you don't rely on the public service loan forgiveness, I think that's the biggest thing. If you mm. are going to do these income driven repayment plans, you better be interested in the public service loan forgiveness. Cause that's, that's the only way it makes sense to me. Cause then, um, then you can get most of it forgiven, right? With that caveat, with that caveat of um, probably being taxed. I've seen some different information out there. I'm, I've been trying. I've been watching the different videos, but apparently, the public service loan forgiveness, when when that amount is forgiven, like say you owe fifty thousand dollars at the end of twenty years or twenty five or something, um, then that is actually forgiven. So you don't owe that back. Okay. It won't it won't be included in your income tax. But I would double check because it says right on the website, the federal student aid, that it's not considered income tax once it's forgiven. Okay. Um, after after 10 years, specifically with the public service loan forgiveness, because if you make 120 payments, that's 10 years. And mm -hmm. um, so, but email us if you know something different, because what I'm reading from from the website, specifically from the federal student aid, it says that the forgiveness amount from public service loan won't be considered income tax. So. Okay. It's completely forgiven. 
but check it out yourself. Big <laughs> <laughs> asterisk there. That's right. Asterisk. Email angry comments to Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. So like, and there's a lot of calculators out there. Like I found a really good one, student loan hero calculators. That's a good one. Also smart asset that, that brings up smartasset.com. They have a ton of great calculators out there for figuring out income tax and um, whatever else you need to look up. And if we, if we did look at that, like going back to my $307 a month, if I signed up for an income driven repayment plan, mm -hmm. seeking public service loan forgiveness in 10 years, if I just paid $307 every month for those 10 years, I bet um, if I averaged it out, it'd be like $37,000 that I paid. Okay. Right. Total. That's a lot less than 95,000 mm -hmm. that I owe. So it seems pretty good. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, based on the student loan hero calculator, I would have for I would have about $100,000 forgiven if you take into account interest over okay. time. So like legit forgiven, legit forgiven, yeah. according to the federal student aid website. Okay. If you do the public service loan forgiveness plan with it. Okay. Yes. If it's one of the standard plans, like the standard, the graduated extended, mm -hmm. and you have that and you have leftover after, I don't know, 20 years or 10 years and they forgive it, then that would be considered income tax. So you'd okay. be on that according to your tax bracket. Right. Right. Um, so, so it's like 10% like the first what X amount of dollars, 12%, yeah. like it's the marginal tax bracket thing. Yeah. And yeah. if that, if that's confusing, um, you should look it up. Like if you're, if you look it up and you're like, Oh, I'm in the 22% tax mm -hmm. bracket and I make 60,000 a year, that 60,000, the total amount is not taxed 22%. Right. So like the first 9,700 is taxed at 10%. Mm -hmm. And then the, um, the money between 9,700 and 33,000 is taxed at 12%. Look, look, look into that. Um, that's something you can look into yourself, but yeah, anyways, so that would be that. And then hopefully all that would be forgiven. So the way it's looking to me, like, man, if I only have to pay 37,000 in 10 years, mm -hmm. that's a lot better that I can, I can save all that money, that 60 grand towards buying a house or buying a car or investing, right. um, all those other things. So, and like you said, investing in your retirement actually lowers your taxable income, right? So you can yeah. talk about that if you want to. So because the, um, those repayment plans, the income driven repayment plans, your monthly payment is based on your annual gross income. What you can do to lower your monthly payment plan is actually contribute to your 401k or your traditional IRA um, because those are all pre-tax contributions. Mm -hmm. Essentially, if you're making um, 55,000 a year and you contribute 5,000 um, to your 401k, then it'll look like you're making 50,000 or so. Mm -hmm. There's like particular calculations, right? but um, you won't be taxed nearly as much. So your payment, your monthly payment to your student loans will go down. And at the same time, you're saving for retirement. You're paying That's your right. first. And it's good on both sides. It's good on both sides. So always contribute. If you can contribute the max, do it. Um, At I least to the employer match, because that is free money. So if your employer matches whatever, 4%, and at least hit that limit and then uh, it'll be free money essentially yes please please do that like as much as you can like right now um i'm not getting a match but i'm still contributing because because you gotta you gotta pay yourself first mm -hmm. um, that's what the whole fi mindset is for is it's a marathon so we gotta just contribute to that bucket every year so getting back to kind of the the payment plans is um 
is we'll talk about the revised pay-as-you-earn repayment plan, which is okay. one of the first under the umbrella of income-driven. And this one is capped at 10% of your discretionary income. So this is kind of the payment plan I was using as an example. Right. And the thing with these is you have to renew them every year. Same thing with the public service loan forgiveness. You have to renew that every year um, just to make sure that you're still eligible to be part of it. And, and that one's 10%. All your loans, if you don't pay them by 20 years, it will be forgiven if they're your undergraduate loans. If you have graduate loans, then they'll be forgiven um, after 25 years. And according to that website, completely forgiven. Mm -hmm. Um, Pay as you earn is the second one. And that's usually about 10% of your discretionary income. Um, It could be up to 15, but it won't be more than the monthly payments you would pay with the standard repayment plan. And that's cut off at 20 years for that one. And then you have the income-based repayment plan, which uh, will either be about 10% of your discretionary income if you're a new borrower, which we talked about earlier, is if you're after July 2014, if you took out loans for school then. Um, But if if you took out school loans before July 2014, then you're going to pay 15% of your discretionary income. And that's that's updated every year. Also, the same thing applies with the income based as the repay where your undergraduate loans will be forgiven after 20 graduate loans 25 and and then the last one is the income contingent repayment plan which is, was a little confusing for me um, but that's based on your 20 percent of your discretionary income just based off of that i wouldn't do it so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that's a, that's a lot right there mm-hmm. and then and then there's also the income sensitive repayment plan which is only eligible for those individuals who took out the FFEL loans in the past. So they, okay. they, they took those out before 2010. Um, so most people probably aren't going to be doing that one that are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's a quick gist on all of the different types of payment plans that you could do mm-hmm. once, you're, once you're getting ready to do that. Based off of that, Ty, are you even considering any of those or you're just going to you're just going to knock them down when you get there? My plan, I'm probably going to try to do the extension out to like 45 years. I hope I get dementia and just like never pay that off at that point. I'm going to have so much Alzheimer's. But uh, no, I think I'm just I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold on to like see what the government's doing. This whole COVID nonsense. Yeah, um, there's they're throwing out crazy ideas right now, like debt forgiveness and all this stuff. So. I'm going to hold on to it until the, the payments actually start coming due and there's actually an interest rate back on my account. Yeah. And then if it seems like that's not going to happen, um, there's not going to be, you know, general forgiveness and stimulus for any of the, the student loan borrowers that currently have loans, then probably just go aggressive with it. Yeah, for sure. 20, 20K, I can knock that out Okay. Um, in a year, I think, for sure. So that's the current plan. I think and then... You- you think that there's going to be some loan forgiveness? Because I know that's on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, I mean, it's in such a crazy time. And there have been talks about it back and forth, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. And mm. there's articles written about even without Congress, Biden could do something like that, which would be interesting because, I mean, he's the in the executive Pres- office and president and all, the federal government has all the loans. So they can kind of make that choice. So this proposal is that, potentially 10,000 across the board could be forgiven if you are making less than $125,000 a year, then the first 10K of your federal student loans would be forgiven. So who knows if that's actually going to go into effect. I think the best thing to do is to have a budgeting system 
set money aside each paycheck for your student loans and then hold on six or so months, a year, whatever, if, if you're listening to this in November of 2020, see what happens with this whole crisis, if the government's going to do anything about it. If not, pay off your loans. You've already saved that money. But if they do get wild with it and start doing student loan, you know, debt forgiveness, first 10,000, first 20,000, whatever they come up with in Congress, then you wouldn't have to worry about it. So that's kind of the best of both worlds. Set, set aside the money, assuming that it's not going to happen. But who knows? We're in this kind of ridiculous COVID time. So yeah, it's wild out there. That would be nice. We'll see. Hopefully, once Biden's in, he can just sign an executive order and be like, yeah, right. all you fools, debt free. Right. That's that's the goal. Um, but yeah, like Ty said, you know, make a plan for that not happening. Yeah. Um, save up for it. So if you are interested in pursuing these income-driven repayment plans um, to maximize your forgiveness and to minimize your monthly payments so you can put your money towards something more important to you or just in, in a sense to build up, then kind of what you would do is you would contact your loan servicer, which is going to be different for everyone. Mine is a Fed loan servicing. And then you contact them. You can fill out. They have they have forms for the income-driven repayment plans to see what you're eligible for. You also need to fill out a separate form if you want to do the public service loan forgiveness because you can only be eligible for the public service loan forgiveness plan if you are under the income-driven repayment plans. So they are separate, but um, you need to get both of them together if you want to try to get um, that forgiveness in 10 years or so. And that you have to renew at the end of every, every year. That's that's the key there. For me, there, there's a couple other things I want to talk about too. Uh, about the military stuff, if you do that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get to that. But um, there's you've probably heard of the terms of consolidation or refinancing, and those are two separate things. And um, you wanna you wanna be aware of that before you jump into anything. And there's pros and cons to both. I won't get that might be a whole other episode. But if you want to refinance your student loans, your federal student loans, essentially what that means is a private lender such as like what is like Sally May or something like that or or Laurel Road for my instance mm-hmm. they will they will pay off my debt to the federal government say $10,000 I have in federal loans at say 7% then if I refinance to a private lender they'll pay off that $10,000 but they'll give me a lower interest rate for say like 3%. So now I'm paying st- I'm still paying $10,000 but at 3% mm-hmm. because I refinanced However, because of that, I am no longer eligible for any of those payment plans that I was talking to you about. So you wouldn't be able to, once you refinance, you can never go back to potentially using an income-driven repayment plan or even be eligible for forgiveness. It's just not going to happen. If you have, let's say, whatever, 50K in federal loans, can you refinance half of it, 25K, and then not refinance the other 20? Or do you have to do all or none, do you know? No, no, yeah, you can totally do as much as you want, mm-hmm. um, especially like a certain amount, because they always ask you like how much, okay. how much you want us to refinance. So gotcha. yeah, it's up to you if you want to do the whole thing or half. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all based on what your goals are. And so that's that's refinancing. You just got to be aware that you can't. Once you go there, you can't go back. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, for consolidation, that is essentially... You're, you're probably not going to save money in the long run um, for consolidation. But what it is, is say your federal loans, a lot of you have multiple loans, like mm-hmm. each year or each semester. 
and you're going to have multiple monthly payments and that can be that can be stressful kind of annoying so what consolidation does is it takes all of those loans puts it into one loan a nice nice packaged and you have one monthly payment mm. the only thing with that is say you have multiple small loans like a $6000 loan an $8000 loan and the interest rates can fluctuate from like 4 to 7 what it will do is it will compound that interest into the big new loan so say you have like $5000 loan and then you have about $1000 in interest mm-hmm. if you consolidated that the new principal balance would be $6000 okay total so you might pay more in interest in the long run by consolidating mm-hmm. than than you would if you just had multiple small loans but it does make it easier at least yeah. just to pay one monthly payment so that's probably like the quick gist of everything and as far as i understood with federal loans you can consolidate federal loans but the interest rate is going to be averaged across all of those loans yes. so if you have a federal loan for some reason you got the first one at 3% interest, and then later in life, you got one at six, then they would be averaged out to four something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that's the difference between refinancing and consolidation. Um, and kind of for me, my, my plan right now is in our intro episode, we talked about our goals into getting into the military. Um, my goal right now is to, because I want to save up for a home mm-hmm. and still contribute to that coast fire lifestyle where we start mm-hmm. putting a lot of money towards savings and retirement. Um, I want more of that money going towards my investments than I do my student loans. Right. Uh, my goal right now is to actually probably consolidate because I have nine, nine different loans. So I'm probably going to consolidate all of them, which okay. will be eligible for the revised pay as you earn repayment plan, okay. which is based on 10% of your discretionary income. So that's what I'm going to do. There's a lot of great calculators out there, especially on studentaid.gov loan stimulator. It gives you um, a pretty good estimate as to what your payments will look like in the future. So definitely check that out at studentaid.gov loan stimulator. And for me, when I stimulated that as far as like applying for the revised pays you earn, the total amount I would pay over 10 years would be about $28,000 for that. And then I would get about sixty-two thousand forgiven, mm-hmm. completely without that being considered income right. tax. That's cool. Um, That's cool. Since it's under the public service loan forgiveness, mm-hmm. since I would be working for the military, right? So that's my goal. Um, that's, that's that's my plan, and I would only have to pay thirty grand over ten years, which honestly not that bad. Yeah, not like, that bad for a graduate education, doctoral degree. Yeah. Um, the the only thing is, is those those payment plans are based on your income. So if you start making more money, mm. your monthly payments are going to go up. The good thing is, though, with the military is right yeah. now I'm making like 55000 a year. Mm-hmm. If we go in as O3 officers, right. our base pay, which is taxable income, is still around like 55000 mm-hmm. And then everything that you get on top of that, like your monthly housing, your food housing, mm. all of that is like an additional $40,000. So you're making you know, around eighty or yeah. But you're only taxed on, on 50. fifty something. Wow. Okay. So I'm expecting to pay the same monthly payment for ten years moving out. Right. That's cool. That's kind of how I worked it. Gonna work out that way. <laughs> so. It never will. But man, it's good to dream. That's the point. That's the point of this podcast. Just <laughs> so. a bunch of dreams and memes up in the air. 
that's it man we're just we're just trying to live live good lives and yeah we're figuring it out it's a journey (laughs) but i don't know that's that's all i got that's all the information i have for you guys um definitely check out Mm studentaid.gov um and then also student loan hero is great also if you check out the fi choose fi podcast on their website they they had this guest on um he runs the student loan planner business and he has a couple episodes on youtube kind of describing a few things and he's pretty good um as well he has a good understanding of everything if if you just like want a quick quick understanding of things he's putting a lot of time and research into it can explain it real quick that's yeah the, that's the way to do it i think obviously the biggest way to, to get out of school um with less loans is to go through public schools if you can apply for scholarships fast for all these things that you do year after year to kind of make it less expensive but yeah this is once you have the loans obviously mm-hmm. yeah and shoot i'm there's some people i work with like some of the aides are applying to schools right now and and i'm telling them like i would not go to a school that's going to charge you if physical therapy specifically right 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 um, yeah, that's going to charge you like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars over three right. where you go out making you know first year you're making like maybe sixty seventy thousand dollars mm-hmm like the opportunity cost of having to pay all that back and like keeping you down from pursuing other things. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Try to get into a public school if you can. Yeah. General good rule of thumb I've heard is you should only take out as many loans as you expect to make income in your first year. So if you're going into PT, ideally, ideally, if you can come out of PT school with 70 K in loans and your entry level job as a physical therapist is 70 K mm-hmm. then <laughs> Generally speaking, you're going to be fine with paying down your debt. Um, don't go past 1.5, 2, 3 times your annual income in loans. But if you can, that's the, the general rule I've heard. That's good. That's the goal. And I know this <laughs> this stuff is not fun. <laughs> mm. I, was, I was researching. I was like, God, this is dry and boring. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's good to know. It is good to know. That's a behemoth of a task, too. So definitely good to work with that, Jay. Yeah. I don't know. You got anything else to add with this? I don't think so. I think that was about it, man. Where can they hear from the uh, email us? What's the the link again for that, Jordan? Oh, info at two five physios. And that's two like the number fi physios. Definitely. So if we got something wrong or you have a specific question about your loan situation that we may be able to answer, um, you can hit us up at that email and we will do our best to get back to you as soon as we can. Yeah, or just don't pay your loans at all. If we all do it, what are they going to do? Hey, that's right. <laughs> we can all revolt. <laughs> Fight the man, dude. Fight the man. Bring him down. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the the world is slowly crumbling outside, so I wouldn't be surprised what you know, with whatever happens. <laughs> all um, right, that is episode three. I think we'll leave it there. Any final words, Jay? No, that's it for me. Cool. All right. Till next time, guys. Peace. Thanks for listening to the 2-5 Physios podcast, where we bring the fire mindset to the physio lifestyle.